0: By the way, I really do have more beans. (laughs) You can come and get (laughs) them. I am trying, I am trying to find my place. So we're on the ground together today. (sighs) The truth is I'm very comfortable in all the spaces here. And I thank you for that again. So this morning we listened to Matthew's version of the Beatitudes. And Matthew's version is different than Luke's in subtle ways. They are the two places where you find the Beatitudes. Luke's, for example, says this. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Two different audiences. Matthew intent upon continuing the presentation of Jesus to the disciples that follow Matthew as the continuation of Moses, the affirmation of Moses' ministry in Jesus. And Luke, a little bit more, the social activists now, those who are hungry need to be fed. Those who are filled with sorrow need to be comforted now. It's not one or the other. It's both. Matthew is talking in some ways about the Kairos time we've been Discussing over the last few weeks that in God's time, many things unfold. In God's time, the world is slowly in the process of continuing to reveal God to us all. And yet Matthew is still interested in making sure that the Pharisees and those who are sitting around hear the message that they are called to do more. And Luke, as I said, is very interested in, now is the moment, now we need to do these things, take action. In both of these Gospels, there is something called antitheses. Matthew uses this, it's not so much the opposite, even though that's what it means in some cases. It's not, you know, be kind or be hateful. It's not that way in this Gospel. What it is, Matthew is saying, to those who are listening, especially the Pharisees and the religious leaders, it is not enough to follow the letter of the law. It is not enough to leave grain in the field after you've done your harvest for the poor to come and pick up if there are still people who are hungry. But if you want to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, which is here and now in its fullness, you need to go beyond what you think the law tells you to do. That's the antithesis. It's more of comparative and degree in Matthew. And as I was saying to the folks, to Craig and the kids in the children's message, but this idea of being blessed, you are blessed. And in the Greek Makaros, blessed means you are given gifts and you are charged to do something with those gifts. You are blessed. So go forth, carry your blessing. You know, yesterday morning I got up early and I drove up to Piermont, New York, which is west and south of the Tappan Zee Bridge on the Hudson, and a friend of mine was celebrating his 34th anniversary as a sober person. And so there was an anniversary meeting, and, and this gentleman is a good friend of mine, so I went up and I was with him. And there were several people that were celebrating, there was something like 105 years of sobriety filling the room. It was, it was a joyful place. And at the end of it, there was some time left, so my friend asked, his sponsor, who was his guide in the program, to say a few words. And he got up and he said, you know, he said several years ago I was in West Hollywood and I went to an anniversary meeting much like this, except it was filled with West Hollywood folks. Lots of actors, lots of creative types. Well, you know, I mean, it could be like here, right? And they were having a great old time, and they were getting ready, and the meeting started, and everybody got quiet, and then all of a sudden, this guy with two big black bags comes banging in through the door and making a racket and plops them down. The meeting went on, and one by one, the celebrants were called up. 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, in descending order. And after they had gone through the list they had, the last person on the list was Lewis. And the chairperson said, and Lewis with 90 days. And the guy with the bags that came banging into the room came walking up and got his 90-day coin. And he looked out at everybody and he said, you know, he says, 90 days ago, I came here to change my life. I came here to get sober, to get away from my addictions. And since then, I've lost my job. I've lost the place I'm living in. I've been living in the park overnight, and they just kicked me out of the park. You see this coin? And all you people, you know what I think of you and your coin and your sobriety? And then he said something I won't say here, and he threw the coin at them. And there was silence. And then, somebody started to applaud. (laughs) And everybody applauded. And Lewis looked at them in shock and said, thank you. The fellow who was speaking says he went back a year later and that same person, Lewis, was chairing the meeting. You know, how do we love actively and unconditionally? How do we welcome people in a way that understands the struggle that they are going through is not an offense to us. In fact, it is a call to us as people who are blessed to respond with unconditional love, to be more interested in understanding the person before us than in being understood Because those folks sitting there understood what it was like to go through what Lewis was going through, instead of chasing him out of the room, they applauded him. You know, there's a lot of examples in the Gospels for that kind of unconditional love. And there are precedents for resistance. Unconditional love does not preclude resistance. We can be loving resistors, I think. And so these beatitudes, some say that these beatitudes are in fact encoded language, that when Jesus spoke them, now they are a collection of sayings, the nine of them that we read are a collection of sayings, They were put together by Matthew and Luke to create a narrative for dramatic and literary purposes and so that they would be easy to be remembered and so that the story could be told. But they were most likely sayings that Jesus said from time to time when he was doing his ministry. And they are attributed to Jesus, they are collected here. But they are also understood to be code to those who were oppressed and marginalized. That when Jesus spoke in the way that he spoke about these things, they understood that he was saying, I know you're oppressed by the government. I know that the powers that be here are not treating you fairly. I know that you feel marginalized. I know that you're not being fed enough. I know you're not being cared for enough. I know these things, and God knows these things, and trust in God because this, this will pass and God's love for you will not, for you are blessed." And it was a great form of empowerment, and it fed the movement. This morning, as I got up, like a lot of other preachers around the country, we were rewriting our sermons at the wee hours of the morning. That's sort of normal for me, but then there are times like yesterday when we had changes in the way that we as a government treat immigrants, refugees, that I don't know how to stand here this morning and not bring up in this conversation. How do we now, who are ourselves in many ways going through the stages of grief at some of the changes, how are we, who are going through the process of the denial and the, the, the lack of belief to the, to the point of acceptance, how do we go through these phases with one another in these times and respond in ways, well, like Lewis was responded to, with love, with understanding, and with directions On a path to follow. So, I'd like to say this to you this morning. Um, The bulletin says guest pastor, (laughs) but I really am your pastor. I mean, you called me, you know. So, as your pastor, I would like to say this to you I don't care who you voted for, really. I don't care. I don't wanna argue with you anymore about your vote. I don't wanna argue with you about why you supported a particular candidate or why you didn't vote at all. That is all finished. Right now, as your pastor, I care about how you feel about the way we are treating others. How we are treating others based on their race, their gender, their nationality, their ableism, their religious identity and beliefs, their orientation, even their policies. I care about the health care program we provide to others. I care about what we are teaching our youth. I care about how we are treating our environment. I care about how we practice a faith, how we can practice a faith and be good citizens proceeding from that faith if we are not actively concerned with how others are being marginalized. And if we are not concerned with that, explain to me please how that is not hypocrisy. I really care about how we are dangerously close to giving up the core of who we are out of fear, which is antithetical to the love we have been given to share. And I want you to know that if this were a democratic president or an independent president, I would be as opposed to the bans and the religious discrimination and tests as I am now. And not because of politics, but because of what I believe the United States of America to be, this blessed land to be, in its witness and its practice for all to follow. I thought, as I wrote this this morning, that there was another sermon on a mount. There were many, but there's another one, another set of blessings, another statement that addresses the pockets of fear and marginalization around the world, an antithesis in its own powerful way to a time and conditions, a sonnet that I learned long ago and have believed that what it states is true ever since. I cannot give this up without giving up what I believe in, without being trapped by the letter of the law and losing the God that calls me and us to a place of service to others. It's called the New Colossus. It's on the base of the Statue of Liberty. It was written by Emma Lazarus, in 1883, and it says this, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here, here, at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuge of your teeming shore Send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It means a few things to me. It means first, we need to move on from the vote, and the name calling, and the arguing. Some of us are not there yet, that's okay. We can still applaud and love one another on our path to that place. Two, we have to identify what we hold dearly together and agree to as members and friends of this congregation and this community and our faith role in this life. And three, we need to talk. We need to talk freely and kindly from the heart and trust each other that we will care for one another's heart in the process. And when we can't do so, we say that quietly, gently, kindly. And fourth, that we accept that we will have different views and not need to persuade one another that we can be honest in our own views and feel safe enough here to be safe in expressing them as we do God's love for one another. And we need to act. We need to act most likely first in ways that are in accord with one another. For there are many different ways to act. The first, I think, are the important ones that we can agree to is it sanctuary for immigrants is it the ecology is it women's rights is it what's on your hearts now most that you are concerned for you know i said it before that if if lewis had come into any other place and perhaps if someone from outside had come into here with views different than everyone here in some way if our families had come to a different country when they first immigrated here, the result would be enormously different in people's lives. The power we have to touch and help people to love themselves until they can love themselves, to care for one another, to care for them until they can learn to care for one another. We can be the ones to raise our hands literally and figuratively in applause. Can we bless? Can we be attitude with one another here and outside of here? I don't think it's a question of can we. It is the imperative that we must. And with God, all things are possible. We know that. And we are blessed. We have God with us. And I pray with you and ask for guidance with you as we, the Sable Congregational United Church of Christ, navigate this time together in love with one another.